Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey everybody, I'm John Cena, 16-time WWE champ, saying support Russell Talk because they talk about wrestling, and I like it. So do us all a favor and subscribe, please. And thank you. Making their way to the ring at a combined weight of undeniably sexy, hailing from London, the Russell Ramble Podcast! Hello and welcome to the Russell Ramble Podcast. I am Ollie Davis and I'm joined by Luke Owen. Hello Swaft Nation, hello to you Oliver Davis, how the devil are you? I'm doing pretty good, as a few people on the YouTube vids have told me. Hey, Ollie, you're looking sharp today. Mate, I was going to leave, because obviously I have access to the YouTube backend, because I'm super important in this little business that you run. Um, I was going to leave a comment uh, on the official WrestleTalk channel that just said, nice haircut, dick. Mm. But I was going to do it on the page video, and you did a really nice job of like uh, talking about Paige's potential retirement. And I was like... Means a bit, it's a bit mean-spirited if I yeah. leave it on this video, so I didn't do it. Now that time's passed, so I can't do it anymore. But still, it's a very nice haircut. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be right on that video. No. That, was, that wasn't a video for jests. It really it was wasn't. Too serious. Yeah, it was. It's a really great video, though. Oh, thanks, man. I thought, it was, I thought you did a really nice job of that. I don't that. think I've done better. I prefer <laughs> the ones that are fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, I had a haircut over the weekend. You certainly did. And whenever you <clears throat> get your haircut, there's always some form of anecdote that goes with it. Because I have... Well, yeah, I mean, the last anecdote was when they just opened, tried out the new place, Love a Turkish Barbers, just down my road. And I was... I tried out the full works. Mm. Full mas- so like, a, you know, shave, wet shave and haircut and everything. And they started massaging my arms when I had a hot towel over my eyes. That's right, yeah. And I didn't know that was going to happen. So that was the previous one. It's gotten a bit... I wouldn't say rough. (laughs) But I'll tell the story, see what you decide. Yeah. So I go in there and, uh, you know, I've seen to right away all the Turkish guys chatting and some of the, the locals are in there chatting and I'm chatting. And then they're like, no, that's because they just got a screen. They've got a new TV screen in the t- in the corner now, mm. and they were playing some form of Turkish pop or rap, which was uh, very aggressively shot, <laughs> with lots of very big. They could be wrestlers, these <laughs> men, and uh, that that what one of them was like, no, 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 let's let's put on a movie. I was like, okay, what an interesting thing. Could chill here, watch a movie out of the corner of my eye. Uh, 
and he goes play snatch snatch is a like a a boss film or you know mm-hmm. colloquial words to that effect and i thought oh it's a bit of a bit of an adult movie for a, a shop where any child could walk into kind of hold my gonna bite my tongue so they got up uh the and i thought oh, they must have a dvd player just put it on YouTube. <laughs> found it on YouTube. What, Snatch? Guy Ritchie Snatch? Well, well, they put it on. And it starts to play. And I thought, huh, maybe they're watching the trailer before they watch the movie. I sometimes do that. Because mm-hmm. I like to see how trailers were cut back in the day. No, no, they clicked the wrong video. It was quite obviously the trailer for the movie. Mm-hmm. But they only realised after the trailer that it wasn't the full movie. And I just wanted to say, what did you think that was? (laughs) It was literally labelled as two and a half minutes. Yeah, and it was, you know, those weren't scenes. (laughs) I know Guy Ritchie's an auteur, but come on. So they were like, oh, there it is. Because you know how they say YouTube, full movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, there no, they didn't is. fall for that one, did they? There it is. Click that one. I thought this isn't going to work or go down well. They clicked it. It wasn't Snatch. It was Green Street. The um <laughs> uh, oh yeah, the, the the hooligan movie. The the football hooliganism movie. Yeah. Which in some ways Is that with Elijah Wood? Elijah Wood. I was trying to think who the main star was. Yeah. Is nastier than Snatch. It certainly is. Uh, with a lot more swearing and visceral violence rather than sort of comic booky violence that Guy Ritchie indulges in. And uh I thought this is even more inappropriate <laughs> for a place where kids often come to get their hair haircut. All of their hairs. All of their hairs cut. But again, a bit my tongue. So I'm biting my tongue again. I after the after put after wanting to put on Snatch, after then putting on the Snatch trailer, then putting on Green Street, and then I'm pretty sure everyone proceeded like it was the movie Snatch. <laughs> like they just put on Snatch. Well, we're waiting for Vinnie Jones to show up. But it was not Snatch. And I could I knew it from the first scene. I was like, well, this is Green Street. <laughs> anyway. Oh, I didn't even tell. So when the Snatch trailer was playing, one of the punters said, oh, man, the crazy thing about Tom Cruise is that they filmed that round the corner because there is a traveller community near where I live. And apparently a lot of it was shot there. Mm. But, you know, that wasn't Tom Cruise. It wasn't Tom Cruise. (laughs) And again, I bit my tongue because it's Brad Pitt. It's Brad Pitt in that role, yeah. But like the... It was the guy saying it, and then it was everyone going, yeah, man, what an actor. Like, <laughs> agree with the guy that it's Tom Cruise. I'm saying, it's and you, you don't want to be that guy who's like, oh, actually, pushing your nose no, through your glasses. Exactly. Actually. Yeah, exactly. And it was building. And everything <laughs> that happened was building this inner, you know, me wanting to correct them all. Not out of a place of maliciousness. I just wanted them to know that, that I wrong. knew what the correct thing was. <laughs> yeah. And and then it then it then it broke me. Oh no! Because my hair, my barber, uh, after a particularly brutal scene, the first fight scene with the main character of Green Street, he observes. Man, it's crazy to think. Like I can't watch this movie to know that he went on to be Harry Potter. <laughs> And in my head, I was like, where where do we start with this? Because first of all, even if it was the guy you're thinking of, he would have been Harry Potter before this movie. And 
just ages. <laughs> like, even, like, even if you don't know when they're released, he was a, he was a small child when the first <laughs> Harry Potter movie was. This is a grown man. <laughs> anyway, it's you're thinking of Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> this is quite clearly, yeah, Elijah Wood. But I've not broken yet. Okay. So, so like they all go, man. Well, what did that... you What did you do? Did like, you go? Mm. No, no. I was just in. I was just keeping my head down watching the tv i'd stopped talking by this point to everyone because it, it wasn't i couldn't have like i was gonna like accidentally outrage someone so everyone's going oh man is that harry potter i didn't even recognize him i'm oh, thinking because, no you know because it's not it's not harry potter but then someone goes someone's looking at it for a while and goes nah man that isn't harry potter i was like finally <laughs> please correct it so, no that was another guy that's uh that's Bilbo Baggins. I'm not kidding. <laughs> he said, that's Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> and then they then they said, uh, no, 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 not Bilbo. What's the other, the grandson? And I was like, okay, you know the family You know the, you know, you know the law. Like, this is, okay. Yeah. And I, I said, like, I whimpered up, Frodo. <laughs> yeah. Frodo Baggins is his name. And that's Elijah Wood. Daniel, and I just went on a correction <laughs> run. I said, Daniel Radcliffe plays Harry Potter. <laughs> Uh, Green Street was probably released in the mid noughties <laughs> Also, it's Brad Pitt, you numpty. I didn't go back that far. I didn't go back that like I didn't retroactively correct that far back. Yeah. Also, this is Green Street. But then they, everyone looked at me like I'd just taken a huge stinky dump. Oh, hang on. And That's... said, who's Nigel Wood? And I said, no, uh, Elijah Wood. <laughs> Elijah Wood played Bilbo in... Sorry, he played Frodo in Lord of the Rings. And everyone was like, oh, Lord of the Rings. And then it seemed like everyone realised, uh, like, it all clicked into place. But I'm pretty sure it didn't at the same time. Mm. So that was, so I bit my tongue long enough. And then I just like, I, you know when you just feel your face go red? Mm-hmm. I, was, I was a burning orange after that. Oh, I, I think it's, I, I've been in this position quite a few times where people have had these sorts of conversations. And you know... Oh, what you're saying is wrong, but I don't want to be. And I've done it before, where I've gone, I've corrected someone, and then as soon as I've done it, I'm like, oh, this is not the right move. Yeah. Especially when it's if you do, like if you and I had this conversation and I made a mistake, you'd be quite happy to go like, oh no, you mean. And hmm. it's fine because you. We have to, otherwise the YouTube comments. Well, will... I'm, I'm just mean like in general conversations oh, conversation, that, that yeah. you and I might have if we go down the pub or if we just sit in the studio and have these sorts of chats, but. I've done it with people that I don't know. Mm. And that's where it kind of comes matter because all of a sudden you've labelled yourself then as the guy that corrects. However, I would argue that I'm not correct. I'm joining in the conversation. Yeah. You've made you've made a factually incorrect statement and I'm furthering the conversation by correcting that. It's a difficult tightrope of manners to walk. It is. My wife hates it. She absolutely... Because she's always getting stuff wrong. <laughs> she's always getting... Like, she hates it because she knows... That I do it, <laughs> and she's like, there are times it's like if she'll say a film quote and get it slightly wrong, so I'll just like go like, oh yeah, and then say the film quote correctly. <laughs> That's <laughs> aggressive. She's like, she's like, you couldn't let it go, could you? Yeah, you couldn't let it go that I'd said it slightly wrong. Yeah. And I'm like, oh no, sorry. It's it's hard to let those, <laughs> it's like, it's fine if you're out and about and you don't know the people, it's easier to let them go. But when it is a, a close loved one, yeah. you're just like, I can't sit on this. <laughs> I need to let you know yeah. that what you said, although you don't care that it was wrong, probably. Nope. I need to correct you. I need to show you to know that I know yeah. that it's right. Yeah. 
Oh man, it happens all the time. But that's uh, that's quite a lot of me rambling. You get your anecdote spot in the outro. Oh, thanks, man. Let's quickly do some iTunes reviews before we get into the proper show. Alex Davo writes, great listen for all wrestling fans. All rambling fans. Top pods, lads. Top pod, lads. Keep up the classwork. Thanks, Alex. Succinct. Nice one, Alex. Thank you. And Nate, writes, give it a go. I didn't think there was any room in my heart for another wrestling podcast, but Luke and Ollie have moved in and taken up permanent residency with squatters. They share bunk beds in the <laughs> spare room whilst Roberts is relegated to the sofa downstairs and Rosenberg is out on the streets. Oh. That's what you get for collaborating with the enemy. <laughs> Thank you, well, Sam Roberts has as well, I suppose. Well, that's why he's in the... St- on the couch. Well, why has Rosenberg been taken out to the streets then? Because he was the biggest shill. He was. He was the first shill. He he did become a bit of a stooge, didn't he? Oh, it's a shame Pete because Rosenberg. they're they're great. Uh, they have great podcasts and they're great uh, hosts of their own respective things. But yeah, if you they're like you go to WWE, they they turn you into a bit of a <laughs> robot, don't they? <laughs> Sad. Well, you could ask that to um, uh, Dasha, but she already is a robot. Mm. So let's get on with the show. What do you think, Luke? Um, I mean, this is more my theory than yours. I was going to say, yeah, because you definitely felt that at the end of this week's episode of Raw, it was very much setting up a Finn Balor heel turn because he wasn't smiling, which is a very Finn Balor thing to do. More so recently, though, I feel like Finn is too happy. And I wouldn't want to, you know, I want people to be happy. But this is this is too much smiling for me. <laughs> he is very smiley now that he's yeah. with the Balor Club. He's like he comes like the, all three of them are just grinning from ear to ear because they're best buds getting to hang out all mm. the time. So it's, it must be tremendous fun for them. So you felt that because that he wasn't smiling at the end of this show because he'd been curb stomped into into the blackout. Sorry, blackout, blacked out, it, blackout. Duh, duh, into the complete and utter earth mm. that uh, he, he wasn't smiling. Therefore, he must be on his way to a heel turn. So maybe you should explain your theory. Good idea. So Finn Balor is, is sort of floundering in WWE for a while uh, because he was meant to have the Survivor Series main event. but he Not was, the Survivor Series, the Royal Rumble main event. You, yeah, sorry, the Royal Rumble main event with Brock Lesnar, but that was scrapped because reportedly Vince McMahon doesn't see him as over enough. This led to Balor leading an over campaign on his social media. And then and we were all like, well, the one, the one thing that would get Finn Balor over is to package him within a faction of Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson, his former Bullet Club buddies. And they did that. On the first episode of Raw this year. Second episode. I was thinking of the Christmas Day yeah. episode, sorry. So it was the first episode of, of the year. And we're like, wicked. And you thought it was just a one-off deal. Well, I, I had a worry it was a one-off mm. deal because the way they set it up just felt like it was fan service. It yeah. wasn't like, oh my God, we've debuted the, the Balor Club. It, this is the Bullet Club. Are fine. And it didn't really feel like that. It was just like, I'm Finn Balor. I need some friends. I found... Where's Finn Balor? Is oh, it, it was you. <laughs> And it was like, I, I need a tag team partner. I found two. Mm. And that, that's, it, it felt like that a real, was all it was. It yeah. felt like a real throwaway thing. So I had this internal worry that everyone was getting very excited for this. And I think I was just trying to like quell expectations to be like, guys, guys, let's not get too excited. This might not actually be a thing. And the reason I thought it was the Christmas Day episode is because I had this big panic. So we re-recorded a lot of stuff over Christmas. 
And my Finn Balor video of like why WWE are wrong about Finn Balor saying things like turn him heel, put him in the Balor Club was going up after the Christmas episode. Mm. And I had this worry that on Boxing Day I was going to wake up and I was going to read the Raw reports and I was going to be like, they're going to put Balor with Balor Club, aren't they? And that makes my video seem stupid then. Thankfully, they didn't. It just seems stupid on its own. (laughs) It was just stupid on its own. It was a great video. Oh, thanks. So. But Balor's reunited with his chums and he's so happy on that first episode, the first episode of Raw of the Year. And, you know, it seems like it's a thing. They're all still happy and it's just too much happiness. They're all smiling. Finn's grin is from ear to ear. We just watched Mixed Match Challenge and he is smiling. He'll, He'll walk down to the ring, huge smile on his face. And then he'll say, you know, the muscles can only hold up a smile for so long. It starts to sag and he kind of goes, and he puts it back on again. It seems to me like this isn't just Finn being happy, although I'm sure he is. He seems like a jovial chap. You've seen the photos with him. It's di- it's a directive from above of uh, the booking committee or WWE agent saying, be really smiley. Now, this is either because he they're just fitting him into a baby face mould where he smiles all the time. Like, the he's beautiful blue eyes. He's a blue-eyed baby face. Or... It could be because when someone smiles this much, it's like a tag team. They go, we're never going to break up, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just for, it feels like it's foreshadowing the frown with the Shawn Michaels losing his smile with the barbershop window. Or was that later? That no, was no, a, it was a completely those, separate Those event. two are not connected. I've just put all of Shawn Michaels' <laughs> early career in one angle. It's one <laughs> super angle that created HBK. I mean, let's be honest. He's only remembered for two things. I'm, I'm kidding. Obviously. Right, I'm, yes, I'm being yeah, facetious. yeah. Uh, and I, I just, at the end of this episode of Raw, Finn Balor takes the curb stomp. And Not it, the curb stomp. Sorry, the blackout. And it was because Jordan tripped him. So he's like, damn, that was annoying. Uh, he's been screwed over. The previous week, the Balor Club occupied a kind of tweener role where they just let the Miztourage beat up Roman Reigns. And they played heel in the match. They played heel in the match. They're much better suited for a heel faction. If you're going to go up against a shield, uh, you want that dynamic there. And when the camera held for so long on Finn Balor at the episode of at the end of this episode of Raw, it's like two minutes, two minutes of just on Finn, and that's a long time for TV. And it felt like at first it was a mistake, or maybe they were filling time. But yeah, I think it was because it was almost like Matt Hardy's woken, broken, yes, in the corner, delete. This was Finn Balor being like, I've had enough. This is sort of me semi-concussion deciding that we're going to be bad guys now. And hopefully that happens as a big angle at Raw 25 or maybe and to lead into the Rumble. I, well, I agree with you because mm. I... In the sense that I would like to see them turn heel. I've mentioned this before on the show, but I think that a, a, a heel Finn Balor is the best direction for him at the moment because as a babyface, you're so low down. You're under Roman Reigns, you're under Seth, mm. you're technically under Jason Jordan, who is still a babyface. I'm doing big air quotes for podcast listeners. Our truth. Our truth, obviously. Yeah. So you're, you're, the further you go down, like you just keep, keep falling. But if you turn heel... All of a sudden, you're like the top heel in the company, mm. on Raw at the very least, because who is the biggest heel on, on Raw at the moment? So you, The Miz. You forgot uh, Brock Lesnar, sometimes a, a baby face. Braun Strowman is oh, probably yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, he's, the actual 
most over babyface. So you're completely right. Yeah. Raw has a heel problem. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, I didn't think of that. So actually, if he turns heel, then he becomes the number one heel mm. in uh, on Raw, especially if he turns heel against the likes of Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns and kind of into, like puts himself back into that main event picture. And then it's just then it's the Miz below him. And they're never going to push Miz above a certain level at this stage. And I quite rightly so. I think the Miz is perfectly suited to that position he is on the card. So this is a perfect chance for Finn to take on mm. the number one heel on Raw. Haha, <laughs> it's a Raw review looking jacked, man. Uh, Raw kicked off with Braun Strowman coming out to the live crowd and saying he's going to tell us a short story. And it was it was quite strained like Braun is really good at delivering these sorts of lines but the lines weren't very good so it was like a beast among men stood no a monster among men stood a tool over a beast and a machine and I guess Kurt Angle's music was meant to cut him off but there was a pause and then Kurt Angle came out I mean it felt like that was his whole story yeah it was a very short so like he was not kidding when he said this is a short story it It, was like it wouldn't even be entered into like a short story competition it was a haku (laughs) A haiku, you a mean? Haku, <laughs> the wrestler. <laughs> that's um, what they're called. That's what they're. Yeah. that's what haikus are named after. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. haiku. Of course, they are that after Meng. Long tradition <laughs> was named. Uh, it came up in the nineties. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, Meng biting off um, the noses of bar patrons who tried to tell them that wrestling's fake. Beautiful, beautiful haiku there. Beautiful haiku. <laughs> Um, I thought this was a very goofy promo. I'd really mm. like because I mean I, I shouldn't say it's goofy really because Braun is a cartoon character, so it's fine for him to cut Saturday morning villain dialogue. Um, but at the same time, it's rather goofy. I I rewatched Captain America: The First Avenger last night. Mm-hmm. That has some Saturday morning comic book yeah, totally. villain characters. Red Skull is just hamming it up. That's when the MCU didn't know what it was. Yes, <laughs> confusing times. <laughs> Uh, it was before Joss Whedon ruined everything by having every mm. scene end in a punchline. It was like, are we going to do the Joss Whedon thing or are we Tim Story's Fantastic Four movies <laughs> from the mid-90s? <laughs> we'll figure it out. I'm sure I'm sure we'll choose the right path. Anyway, Kurt Angle came out uh, with security mm. and he was, I mean, he had something to tell to Braun and this, this sparked uh, Booker T off on quite a tirade throughout the show, really. But Kurt Angle came out to not only remove Braun Strowman from the triple threat match at the Royal Rumble, threatening us with a Brock Lesnar versus Kane main event at in, the Royal Rumble in two weeks. In 2018. In 2018. Um, but also firing him outright mm. from Raw. Uh, and Braun took it well. Did take, did take it well. Um, what do you feel, because there's been a lot of criticism, I didn't mind it because it was, you, you know, when you... With Braun, Braun gets so a lot more leeway from me because of the nature of his character. Like, I wouldn't let Bray Wyatt get away with supernatural stuff, but if Undertaker does it, I'm fine with that. Yeah. It's the same with Braun. Like, Braun can do these quite goofy storylines, and I'm okay. So when he grappled part of the lighting rig down last week, and he very badly injured uh, Brock Lesnar and Kane... I guess the consistency argument would be why wasn't Roman Reigns reprimanded when he actually tried to kill Braun last year with the truck? Why wasn't Kane reprimanded when he put him into the garbage truck? Why wasn't Braun uh, reprimanded when he tipped Roman Reigns over in the ambulance? Sure, sure. So there's, I mean, that is a logic hole. Oh, totally. Yeah. But yeah. Well, we will just 
we will go through that logic hole. But that's that's the way that WWE is now. It's just like the rules change each and every mm. week. Uh, people have different opinions each and every week, so it's fine. You just treat every episode like it's a brand. It's a start of a new season. I think that's how people should watch Wrestle Ramble <laughs> from now on. <laughs> well, every Wrestle Ramble is someone's first yeah, Wrestle Ramble, yeah. as Stanley Stanley Stan Lee used to say. Um, so yeah, so Braun, like the, the security guards. At first, I thought the security guards did a really bad job because they essentially just stepped uh, stepped aside and let mm. him walk up the ramp. I was like, guys, I'm pretty sure you're meant to escort him out. Uh, but then they did. They escorted him out of the building, or so we thought. Mm. Then he stopped and just killed these poor security well, guards. This is not a play-by-play. Uh, there was a Titus Worldwide match in here. Oh, I'm, Should I'm, we just do all well, the Braun no, I mean, stuff? I've, just, I've, I've got here, Braun killed the security guards. So I've. Oh, no, you're right. Thank you very much. I oh, thought it was apologies. right. Yeah. I thought that came in the next segment. No, Braun kills an office One of the next. Yes. <laughs> Kills an office and a catering room. Yep. And, and then, then is, Michael Cole. And then Michael Cole. Oh, and then the production truck. Yeah. Well, the production truck, then Michael Cole. So actually, so he killed the security guards, tossed them hither and yonder, and. Tossed um, them off. And then he said something like, I don't leave here till everyone gets these hands. These, these hands, hands. These hands. <laughs> so, these hands. Again, it's. It's Braun Strowman having this goofy Saturday morning cartoon villain dialogue. Mm. In my favourite of his still being like, you put me in a garbage truck. That's that, so it's babyface cartoon. Yeah. It's a villain. This oh, is, yeah. I, it was well, awesome. No, because you'd, if, you'd have, if these had come out of a Saturday morning cartoon villain, you'd be like, yeah, I, I, Skeletor could be saying these mm. lines. You'd be like, yeah, I'd buy it. But He-Man would never say, I'm not leaving here until everyone gets these hands. Yeah, I guess so. I guess you're right. Skeletor was here. Everyone's leaving here until they get these hands. I am just, I'm just very into the Strowman character, and I thought this was, this was like a greatest hit. Logic holes there were many, but this was like a greatest hit of Wacky Brawn. Oh, Wacky and it was, Brawn, and it worked so well because Brock Lesnar wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Whereas last week it, it felt it felt a bit awkward because you had the legitimacy of Lesnar and his UFC background with the goofy stuff of Brawn. Uh, I think you know you can you can build those two things separately and then they can collide like the No Mercy match. There was a lot of expectation, so yeah. But this worked because he was left alone. Who who would win in a fight of wackiness? Wacky Braun or Wacky Dean? Ooh, Dean's wacky in a different way, isn't he? <laughs> he is. Yeah. He might he might take you to Disneyland. <laughs> on a whim. He, he might wear a different T-shirt when mm. you're expecting something else. He might get weapons from various hardcore legends and then just use chairs. <laughs> he might say that certain words trigger him when they haven't triggered him before. Mm. Well, he's a lunatic fringe. His I so crazy haircut. R- real attention to detail here. I thought the security guards really looked like genuine security guards. Mm-hmm. Not like wrestlers. <laughs> no, I was going to say, these lads look like wrestlers. The the guy who, so uh, the thing that Strowman walks out, he's, he's ready to walk out the arena. He's like, fine, let me walk out on my own accord. Just don't touch me. Fair enough. So he's actually opening the door to leave the arena. <laughs> and it's like, that's all you had to do. Your job's done. And what does this one security guard do? Put his hand on Braun's shoulder and be like, yeah, you got to go. He was going. <laughs> and that's what set Braun off. But that particular security guard had a, a, a beard styling, sort of a stubble styling that only 
It was shaved in weird parts to give it a pattern design that only wrestlers would have. Yeah, he had a sideburn fade. Mm. That's what I, w- I would describe that's it as. Yeah, that's, that's very eloquent. Yeah, thank you very much. But they, they took a hell of a lot of bumps. <laughs> yeah. Props to the security security team. Yep. They One guy was not only thrown over a table and then hit the very like hard-looking floor, he was then thrown into the sky and then down through a table with no padding. Yeah, he uh, he flew quite far. Uh, but then we got, as you quite rightly pointed out, a tag team match, a rematch from mm. last week between the, the Bar and Titus Worldwide. So I'm so eager to get to this. That's I was, what, did you like this match then? I thought it was a fine. It was fine. Totally fine. I like the Titus Worldwide act. Uh, I, I was And I was worried it would be 50-50 booking. But I actually am a fan of this segment because... It furthered the story of the tag division without giving us another Sheamus and Seth Rollins match. I completely agree. Mm. I also really enjoyed this. My only uh, complaint about it, or my only criticism about it, I would say, because actually what I really liked was they played off the finish of the of the last match mm. when uh, Sheamus went to go and hit uh, Apollo, and Apollo did his little moonsault thing onto Cesaro. Only this time Cesaro the wise man thought well, I'm not falling for this again got out the way and attacked mm. him I like how they kind of played into the finish of the of the previous match but at the end of it when so Jason Jordan's music hit and that distracted the bar and then Titus uh, Worldwide got the win my complaint is that there was absolutely zero focus on Titus Worldwide which kind of makes their win redundant like all all I mean, it, there's a point in this in this show when I think it was it was either Michael Cole or it was Tom Phillips it was Todd Phillips as I, call, I called him on last on the last show um said well wins and losses matter here in in wwe and i thought well this match suggests that they don't because titus worldwide won here but all the focus is on seth and jason and the bar so this is this win's done nothing for mm. them they're still in the same position they were before, and they've got two clean wins now over the bar why well, cleanish if if the bar win back the titles then i would hope titus worldwide would get a title shot yes. on a raw i'm hoping yeah. that this elevates them and actually puts them into sort of title con- uh, into title contention mm. so jason jordan as you noted was the man who caused the distraction the dreaded music playing we've got to look then we get then we lose the match now jordan didn't get physical although he was in the show a lot which of course i'm a fan of he didn't get physical at all and this is i guess because he's reportedly injured dealing with a nagging injury there's and a that lot is, that of is, people on that injured list yeah, at the moment. Terrible timing for, for Seth Rollins because, you know, the Shield, all of the live event dates through uh, last month and January and February are sort of built around the Shield reunion tour. Dean's out injured. Okay, we make this last minute really quite inspired booking decision to put Jordan with Rollins. And now Jordan might be, you know, hopefully it's a minor thing, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll see what goes on there. Um, so then after that, we had. Braun killing an office. He mm. went into, I would say, the most rubbish-looking, uh, like mis, like slow, sort of designed office. Like it wasn't even an office. There was a plant pot and a couple of things hung up in a TV. It was porn, porn set levels of set design. That yeah. is exactly what I was looking Sparse. for. Yeah, really rubbish. Cast it was just, out. yeah, it was like, oh, we need to make this look like an office. Mm. What can we cobble together in our box of gimmicks that we've got in the truck? Well, have we got a sofa? No, but I have got this ficus. Mm. Okay, let's put the ficus in there then. And you then, would have thought they would have had at least one pure country, pure country, pure heart <laughs> poster <laughs> lying around to hang on the wall. Well, Daniel Bryan's got all those. Yeah, he's bought them up. <laughs> so he went into into Kurt Angle's office again, doing big air quotes for podcast listeners, and couldn't find Kurt, so he just destroyed the place. 
smashed up that TV good and proper. Really good shot. I can't remember what he threw into the TV, but it hit it right in the middle. Yeah. And it obviously broke it. Absolutely, yeah. So I thought this, this was quite cool. And then stormed into catering. And you had this guy run up, like a Godzilla movie, run up and was just like, guys, Braun Strowman's coming. And then he runs away. Mm. And everyone goes, bar? Yeah. And Braun comes in grabs uh, Kurt Hawkins, chokeslams him through a table, scares everyone off. I think Kalisto was also at the table. Some uh, unmasked luchador was at the table. And then the pièce de résistance had a slice of cake. Yeah, so a guy's just standing there, frozen in terror, holding a massive cake with a large bit of cake already pre-cut. Strowman looks at him like he's going to eat the guy, but then he just picks up the cake instead and eats it. Huge pop from the crowd. I personally loved it because I really like moments of comedy back in backstage environments like this. And I thought this was a very well-judged moment of comedy. You said it was a bit too far. Yeah, I wasn't massively keen. I thought it, was, it did make me chuckle, but I wasn't like a... That, that's complete. That's, that's the cherry on top for me. That was, it was more of a like... It's an odd addition to this scene for making him look like this terrifying monster and then have him stop and eat cake. But it, it's he's a goofy cartoon mm. character. I should really look at it through those eyes. Someone tweeted me and said that what would have made that, um, or it might have been a comment <coughs> left on, on your Raw review, that said, like, what would have made that moment even better is if the guy holding the cake had pissed himself. Like, wow. just, like yeah, it's just yeah, like just the camera pans, pans down. down and he's just got a big wet patch yeah. in his crotch. Like, that would have been great because otherwise, like, he's got no reason to stand there. It's the guy should have been acting terrified a bit more. He was just, he was quite blank terror. Yes. Like, yeah. Maybe I, that's where the comedy fell for me. Mm, I, it's surprising that because, you know, Vince McMahon would probably love a urination He would joke. love that. That's yeah. right up his alley. We'll pitch it to him. <laughs> we've got that direct line. Yeah, so, totally. Yeah, yeah that's, how, that's how they get all of our booking ideas. Next up, we had Cedric Alexander beating Tony Nice. Gold Dust. Dust and Cedric Alexander, still a thing. Goldust like... wrestled on 205 Live. Yeah, yeah. Well, like we said, in gold pounds, he's <laughs> under the weight. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So this was this was actually, it was, this was a fine match. Uh, but, you know, most cruiserweight things don't get much of a reaction. No, that and that's it. It's, it's mm. Again, it's, it's fine, but no one cares. And because no one cares, it kind of like just, it drags the match quality down. And I, I feel now that WWE have done irreparable damage to yes to the, the cruiserweights yeah. division now it, it almost feel like I, I think as you said it either needs to be just completely killed or rebranded as something else yeah i agree just do what impact do with the grand championship just just keep renaming it and change just, the rules just change the We've rules got rounds this week yeah do you remember that they had what are the rules <laughs> what are the do you remember rules? they they had the uh the legends title that was something of something and then it became the mm. legends championship and then became like the global championship yeah. and then became the tv championship just do that just just keep changing the name because i mean that really got that belt over so then we had i don't know if this is my favorite moment of the show but it's it's definitely up there and the camera cuts backstage and kurt is just in his rubbish office <laughs> not looking much different from uh it's previous rubbish looking there was four things in trashed. there and he's talking to Rudy Charles the best referee in WWE and he's he's like well, I, this is this is insane I don't know he actually said we might have to call the SWAT team <laughs> <laughs> I just mm, just keep throwing want more of this I don't care about the wrestling this episode I want more terrible acting and stupid dialogue and like Kurt's the delivery SWAT team go back and watch this segment because Kurt's <laughs> delivery is it's it's the room levels of 
great and awful at the same yeah. time. Yeah, I mean, his next line yes. was, oh, it was just pure gold. So is it, is it Mike Cohn? The yeah. referee runs in. I'm probably getting that name. Pure, pure country. He this. runs in and he's like, Braun's heading to the production trucks. <laughs> and Kurt goes, oh, God, those trucks are worth $12, $12 million. million. And it had like, it had high mark. <laughs> it, it, was, it was that level of tone. Oh, I, man. I, oh, I love that line. I love Kurt's delivery of that line. WWE have peaked. This yeah. was... WWE's version of Wrestle Kingdom 12. Yeah. This was like, it's every reaction you've seen in a Michael Bay disaster movie. When they're just like, the asteroid's going to hit, and someone stands there and like, my God, there are 12 million people there. But it's nowhere near as good as no. that. It was just, oh God, there's, those drugs are worth $12 million. It was all, it was like one word. Because yeah. he mumbled, oh, oh, I love that line. He also butchers Stephanie McMahon's name uh, in a little bit as well, because he... Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll come on to come that. On. But anyway, so Braun then continues his tirade. He goes to the production trucks that mm. are worth $12 million. He walks in and throws the bits of paper around and says great lines like, what does this button do? If I push this button, does the show go off? It felt like um, when you take a, a school, like a school around a, a TV production studio and you've just got that one kid that's like, actually even better, Home Alone. Um, that kid that they think is Macaulay Culkin when they miscount it and he's just yes. standing there like what mileage do you get do you get this do you get that mm. he was, but that was essentially what Braun was here where he was just going around intimidating people asking questions like a true monster in a previous life I used to work in broadcast transmission so the this this uh, setup was was familiar to me so it was it, I got a bit of a kick yeah uh, what do those buttons do probably queue up adverts <laughs> set up the next pre-roll is it just where kevin dunn sits there with his uh his board of like of his 12 different cameras where he just does that yeah throughout yeah. matches well i say half of the buttons just there for show you, they do nothing <laughs> yeah it's like on the star trek so braun, braun then walks out i didn't see dunn in there i don't think dunn was there i because he he prefers the dark doesn't he <laughs> just sits in the corner well that and this wasn't a real production truck mm. i don't think it was anyway I mean, I, this, maybe it wasn't. In, it was definitely a real production truck because no way they spent that much on a thirty-second oh, oh, set. I think, I think this was all. What they, they blew the budget on that and not the office. Yeah, I thought exactly. I thought this was a. This was definitely a gimmick. This was a uh, a worked production truck. It was. A, it was. It was definitely a real production truck. Kevin Dunn would have been there. But maybe they've got a couple of production trucks, <laughs> which millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. So Braun comes out, goes to the front. He's now trying to drive off with it. They did. Speaking of Star Trek, <laughs> in did. the truck. They do the, we're just going to move the camera. And so I guess we're going to, let's try and do it. Whoa. But Whoa. if you were to move the camera, it would look like the room's shaking. Uh, podcast listeners won't get that. No. That visual gag. If I remember to, I'll <laughs> edit that in. Yeah. How? What? How? Just with um, edit points. Oh, but like, would you put sound effects of us falling around? No, I just, I just move the camera around. Maybe okay. if I could find some sound effects, I'll cool. do that as well. Uh, and... Uh, the, Set so Braun, up for a fall here. But he can't go uh, that far, so Braun gets out, and Kurt's like, what the hell are you doing? And Braun's like, I'm going to tip this over. And he tips it over, and then it gets a... This is fine, but the presentation was a bit obnoxious. Yeah, yeah uh, so I, I watched this three times. I watched it once uh, as it was happening, and then I was like, God, there was a lot of cuts in there. So I went back and I counted mm. how many cuts there were. There were 19 cuts 
in this one shot of him or this one moment of him tipping over the truck and i was like oh, 19 cuts is a lot how long did that actually go so i went back and watched it a third time it was 20 seconds there were 19 cuts in 20 seconds and i wonder why it didn't really have an effect on me why i didn't really enjoy like i didn't mark out for him pushing over the truck the same way i marked out for him pushing over the ambulance or anything like that maybe it's law of diminishing returns but i think actually moreover it's the it was the excessive amount of cuts. Mm. It was a like cut to brawn, cut to angle, cut to different angle, cut to this, cut to that, cut to that, cut to that. And I was like, it's it's so unwatchable when you do it this time. And I noticed it again in SmackDown during the Samir and Sunil beatdown of Bobby Roode. Because you've got the camera zooming in and out with every punch and you're cutting every second, it just like, you get motion sickness after yeah. a while. I, I can, on paper, it's like, you know, you want to convey that sense of chaoticness and frenzy. But in practice, uh, it 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 takes me out of the action. I get a bit disorientated, can't really get the spatial relationships right in my mind. And it, yeah, I, I much prefer everything to be a lot more restrained. Yeah, I mean, this that kind of technique where you do cuts every second is what action directors do when they can't direct action. Because it's just a way to hide the fact that you can't direct mm. action. You just make it look very choppy and, and things like that. I and mean, you don't need to do that here, apart from the fact that they make films, not wrestling shows. But it, I, it just doesn't work for me. Considering as well, as many people pointed out to me on Twitter, and you said yourself, there's a video of it on Instagram that they posted, which was all done from one shot. And you mm. can't see the gimmick that's helping Braun tip over the truck. Because there isn't one. Because, well, obviously because there isn't one. But like that looked so much more impressive. And, yeah. it, and it actually had more of an impact. It builds the tension better, yeah, I think. Yeah, I completely agree. So Braun, after tossing off a truck, he goes back to the main arena part, so in front of the live crowd, and he goes for the announcers. And Booker T almost pushes Michael Cole in front of him. Take him! <laughs> and Braun picks up Michael Cole, struggles a bit to <laughs> yeah. pick up Michael well, Cole. Well, he had just tipped over a truck. Yeah, he's got a bit of DOMS, delayed <laughs> muscle onset, whatever it's called. And he goes to, you know, do something horrible to him. But Kurt comes out and he's like, I've spoken to Stephanie McMahon to stop this. You're rehired and your match is back on. Thank God Steph was here to save the day because incompetent Kurt Angle can't do anything mm. right. But you know who can? Brilliant Stephanie McMahon. She can do everything right. Yeah, so this was WWE, a ri- like Kurt, brilliant delivery of that line aside he hasn't been a good raw general manager has he it's been nice seeing him back but the same thing happened to Mick Foley WWE unless you're a McMahon or a Helmsley uh, or Brian's been very good but it is it is a thankless task to be an authority figure on a raw or smackdown show because it's you're not going to get booked with any credibility unless you are a McMahon. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly what happened to Mick Foley. It's what's happening to Kurt Angle now. And he's he's made to look like a doofus and a lackey. Yeah, so. and, that, and that really does undermine everything that Kurt does from then on. Um, which also, uh, as highlighted later on in the show, but I'll, I'll come on to that perhaps. So anyway, so Braun then, Kurt Angle says, you're rehired, you're back in the triple threat match. Uh, Braun decides that, He's not finished with Michael Cole. These hands. So he picks him up and he throws him onto, I would say, conservatively 100 people um, who just caught him in the safest manner possible and then all sort of fell over backwards very slowly Mm. and one of them shouted very loudly, it's all right, we've got you. Ah, 
Which well, that's what security guards would do. Yeah, I know, but they're all meant to be like taken out by the sheer force of this of a hundred and eighty pound Michael Cole, hundred pounds soaking wet man, just like thrown, you know, mm. thrown into them. So it almost felt like I was like, wow, Michael Cole's not on this show. We can't be on the rest of this show if you're going to sell the the devastating nature of him slightly of him falling down a little bit very slowly. Who's going to provide commentary? Who is providing commentary, Ollie Davis? Well, guess who I found backstage? Who'd you find backstage? Todd Phillips. Oh, Todd Phillips. Oh, thank God Todd's here. Yeah, good old Toddy. Uh, (laughs) He came out. I swear, if I close my eyes... I wouldn't be able to tell the difference. There was a hilarious moment. I got a tweet from someone uh, yesterday saying, like, oh, it was hilarious when Michael Cole said this line. And then someone was like, actually, that was Tom Phillips. And they were like, and I actually thought, like, I couldn't tell the difference. Mm. I think I I prefer Phillips just, just because he's got a, he's, he's got less, he's got more credibility just because he hasn't been around as long as Cole and stupid heel turns, whatever. Mm -hmm. But yeah, again, why is Tom Phillips backstage? Yeah. It just, it just opens a few more questions than it's worth. Why not just have... Co- it would feel like it was a bigger deal if Corey and Booker T were like, oh man, we weren't planning on that happening. We're just going to have to lead the rest of the show ourselves. And it would have really been awful to have Corey... I mean, yeah, I think I could have just gone for Corey and Booker doing commentary. Mm. Although it does bring to mind... Do you remember it was the Raw after WrestleMania when, Braun, uh, when Brock F5'd Cole? And then, like, the commentary team was completely destroyed. And they sent poor old Byron Saxon out there to commentate on his own. And it was among the worst hour of TV ever because... Well, you, I know you're Best. I know you're a big defender of, of, um, of Byron, but this was before... The Saxman. This was before the Saxman had found his character. Mm. This is when Byron Saxton was just, I, hello, my name is Byron Saxton. And they ha- and then because it was so bad, they had to send Jerry Lawler out as well to be like, "Can you go save this? Mm. This is horrendous. Please go out there and save this." Um, so maybe you would have had a little bit of that, but yeah, I just, I, Tom Phillips coming out and being like, "Oh, hey, you know, I wasn't planning on being here." Well, like, well thank God you were here because we need a color- we need a play by play commentator. Then spent the rest of the time going like, "Well, I don't watch Raw." Yeah, yeah. So like, well, why were you there then? Yeah, it was uh, it wasn't it wasn't good. But Braun stuff overall, I I've thoroughly enjoyed. I thought that was a, yeah, it was it was a, a fun... fun narrative thing. Although I do wish it was spaced out throughout the episode, uh, rather than culminating at the end of hour two. Well, considering how flat the end of the show was, you really could have spread this out Black over the three. That aside, that was the biggest pop of the night. Yeah, I know. Tell me about it. Uh, you could have spread this out over three hours. Uh, so next up, we had Asuka beating Nia Jax in what I thought was a cracking match. I, I thought this match was awesome. Yeah, really I really, really, really enjoyed this. Um, yeah, I thought this was great. Mm. There was no mention of their NXT feud, which is that kind of continuity thing that annoys me a little bit because I know that they, they do it to protect Nia Jax because you don't want to say, like, oh, Asuka's already beaten her. And it's this WWE thing where they're like, oh, we don't like to mention that people have lost before in things that you might not remember. It's, uh, it reminded me of when they did Undertaker Triple H at WrestleMania and they were like this is the first time that we've collided at WrestleMania ignoring the fact they'd already had a WrestleMania match but they want you to forget that and just pretend that this is the first time whereas actually you could have done a really nice story part by this like yeah you have already beaten me at WrestleMania but that was 10 years ago and I've look at all I've done in these last 10 years I'm a completely different wrestler now mm. you could have done this with Nia Jax like yeah you did beat me in NXT but look at the domination that I've had on Raw and now you now you don't stand a chance against me. And that then at, that builds Nia Jax's character up more than her just being Nia Jax. Mm. 
didn't get me as much. Uh, no, 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 it didn't. It's, I thought it was just an interesting point to discuss mm. in terms of WWE wanting you to remember certain things and forget other stuff. But aside from that, I thought this match was great. Really good match. Decent, fast-paced. Uh, it felt like a war at times. Mm. And I, I was a fan of the finish. I haven't really seen that spot before. Naya is on the ring steps on the outside, sort of facing the tur- the turnbuckle. And Asuka kicks her, either her leg or the steps, causing Naya to fall down in between the gap of the ring and the ring steps. And it just looked it looked really brutal. Made a big clanging sound as you get on the ring steps. Mm-hmm. And Asuka gets in the ring. Naya follows but the referee deems she cannot continue the match because she can't stand up. Protects Nia. Protect- Asuka gets a win. She's undefeated. And, most crucially, this made me want to see a rematch. I, I've written here, I'm really looking forward to a pay-per-view yeah. rematch because I think this match yes. would be even better without the ad break <laughs> in the middle. I'd re- I'm really excited to see this as a pay-per-view match. Great Booker T line in this match where he said, and I quote, Asuka's winning streak could be on the line here. Mm. You dolt, it's always on the line. Yeah, Booker T. What, what more is there to say? Oh, uh, I've got some more to say. Enzo Amore come, came to comfort Nia backstage afterwards, saying to Alexa Bliss, no, I've got this. Mm. So, yeah, Nia sent Alexa away. Whatever. This confusing love triangle continues. Next up, we had Kurt Angle sort of thinking, what am I doing here? Right, so... You- Kangle standing there in his wrecked office, mm. big air quotes, and I could have sworn that in the previous moment when we had um, Angle in his office, when he said the, my God, the $12 million line, there were people who were clearing up the mess. They cut back to it later on. The mess is still there. So those people did an absolutely rubbish job of clearing up the rubbish. Fair enough. And uh, was that what that you were thinking of that all all the time through this segment? Well, no, because it's awfully messy. In <laughs> no, because Jason Jordan was absolutely awesome in yep. this segment. Jason Jordan walks in, and it's almost like he's blissfully unaware of everything that Braun has done and the terror that Kurt Angle, mm. his father, has faced here. He's just all smiles, and he's like, "Dad, I'm a champion." Be proud of me. It wasn't just that. And this is, I guess the Braun story is the most in-your-face narrative for the, for the night. But the real one is that spanned the entire night was Jordan costing the bar the match at the start. He thinks this is a genius move. He comes in here, like, riding high off that. Hey, Kurt, Dad, did you see Did you see me out there? I cost, I cost the bar the match. How smart am I? But Angle's like, well, yeah, what, I've got all these other things I've to deal with. I've got other things in my mind here. And then Jordan's like, oh, yeah, so Seth, I think we need to keep him sharp, Dad. <laughs> like, Jordan's the one with more experience here. Really, really nice character work. He's the actual architect yeah. of the group. And he says, I think you should give him a match against Finn Balor, you know, real sharpen him up. When really it's Rollins who's kind of taken on Jordan as a protege, however reluctantly. And Kurt still, you know, showing that he's an incompetent raw general manager who is unconsciously favouring his son. Uh, it's, it's more to get him out of the way than to go, oh, I, I'm so proud of you, Jordan. Uh, yeah, makes it. So that's yeah. our main event for the evening. Uh, I mentioned earlier that there was going to be something else that showed that um, Kurt Angle is incompetent as mm. a raw GM, because you have to be unless you're a McMahon or Helmsley. Um, he didn't have a main event booked for raw. Yes. Unless JJ was there, he didn't have a main event. Yeah, it falls apart, most yeah. of this stuff, when you look at it deeply. In all fairness, neither did SmackDown. The Revival uh, were next up, beating a local team in quick fashion. One of whom, are yes. you going to tell me this? No, no, you, you go ahead, you tell is, me. Uh, is Bailey's fiance. So he's the biggest heel on the roster. Ah. 
Uh, but they beat them in quick fashion with a shatter machine, and they cut a mighty fine promo. Oh, this was a <clears throat> this was a great promo. Yeah. In the middle of the ring, uh, who wasn't Renee? It was it? Charlie. Charlie. Because I've written, uh, yeah, I've actually written her name there, Charlie in the ring. Mm. And it's Dasher on SmackDown. <laughs> I'll get there eventually. <laughs> uh, and uh, they they call themselves professional wrestlers. We're not sports entertainers, Jack. We're professional mm. wrestlers. Uh, he, man alive, he's such a good promo. I am such a big fan of Scott Dawson. He's yeah. just such a wicked promo. Yeah, old school, definitely. But like old, old school, so 80s old school. And the this is where it, it could be awesome or it could be very bad. Oh, yeah, these guys are getting killed next week. Uh, and Dash... I've done it wrong. Charlie. Charlie, <laughs> Charlie says, oh, it's Raw 25th anniversary next week. There's going to be so many legends. Which ones are you most looking forward to meeting? <laughs> And like their children, yeah, and and they say, well, uh, not DX because they ruined the wrestling business. They're not about wrestling. So uh, to me, that sounds well. We're going to get a segment or maybe even a match between the revival and an iteration of DX. I'm hoping <laughs> the revival are going over. Oh no, mate! I'm t- I can tell you instantly what's going to happen here because they did this with the Ascension. Uh, just a couple of years ago, when the Ascension debuted, and they're just like, "Whoa, we're the best here!" and then they just got killed by all the legends. Mm. They're just going to rinse and repeat the exact same thing. The revival are going to come out, talk about a cut promo. We're not sports entertainers, Jack. We're professional wrestlers. Outcome the Dudleys. Outcome the APA. Outcome whatever other tag teams they've got there. Headlined, of course, by DX, the greatest tag team in the Attitude Era, according to WWE. They won it. They won the war. They did. They did. They started mm. it and won it in the same segment. And they're the architects, the Attitude Era. And then they all destroyed them. Clothesline from hell. Um, probably a table spot. Pedigrees all round. Switching music's all round. And then the DX music plays, and everyone cheers. Well, that's that's hope. We'll see. So the next few matches we're gonna dash through because <laughs> they were all a bit. Boring and inconsequential. First up, Roman Reigns beating both Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas. This went way longer than it needed to. Yeah, in the usual Miztourage handicap template that we see all the time. Great line from Booker T here. How many guys would you see in this match? Mate, Finn Balor, three weeks ago. Mm. You were there for it. Uh, so Roman Reigns won there, setting up the Miz match for the Raw 25th anniversary. Sonya Deville beat Sasha Banks. Again, just another combination of the same six women that we've seen forever uh page and mandy Rose. mandy rose that's right isn't yes it, it is we're yeah. on a uh, ringside along with mickey james and bailey in the opposite corner yep uh, and yeah we got a mention of page not being in the royal rumble yeah I, I, I missed this actually mm. I, I didn't hear um tom say this on comment todd sorry todd phillips say this on commentary i completely missed it but yeah so they announced that page will not be competing in the royal rumble interesting they said not the Royal Rumble, perhaps saving a retirement speech if a retirement is happening for a bigger show, you yeah. know, and not to be overshadowed by something like by Raw 25 or, or the Royal Rumble. Um, Booker T in this match, uh, talking about Sonya Deville, said, Not since Ken Shamrock have we seen an MMA fighter in WWE. Mm. Corey Graves, like that, was like, Mate, we've got someone here called Brock Lesnar. He's the Universal Champion, and Booker T. I could, I get the point that Booker T. was trying to make, but he just made it very pointy. Just shouted back originally. Yes. What he was trying to say was that who started an MMA 
and then went into the WWE. Do, do you think that's what he meant, though? Oh, totally not as well, because we've also got Shayna Baszler yeah. in, in NXT. Yeah. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura has done uh, MMA fighting, as has Alberto Del Rio. I think Jack Gallagher has a yep. MMA record. Yep. Uh, so I, but Sonya Deville. I really liked the finish of this match. Yeah. I like her kick. I like the kick, and that that's the finish. I think there is actually something in Sonya Deville. I think she's going to be another one of those wrestlers, like Elias a little bit, who didn't really do much in NXT. <clears throat> just sort of very much flew under the radar. But as soon as they go to the main roster, you're like, oh man, there's something here. Like There's something you could really do mm. with her here. And I, I, I'm actually quite a fan of Sonya Deville. Next up backstage, we had Jason Jordan and Seth Rollins sort of preparing for his main event. And Seth told Jordan to stop being his spokesperson. And he's, like Seth has been very patient. He has to be because he holds the tag team championships with this guy. But yeah, like he, Rollins wasn't a fan of Jordan's tactic of coming out for the bar earlier in the night. Although that, you know, I thought that was a good move from Jordan. But it does come back to affect him later. So yeah, there's tension being sowed, mm -hmm. and then we had Woken Matt Hardy, Hardy beating Heath Slater. Correct, Tron on the Titan Tron this week said delete rather than the old Hardy Boys one. Yeah, and a throwaway match. The delete chants were over, but that was about it. I uh, I do like his music. Hmm. I think the entrance music is really great. Mm, not so much everything else. Goldberg is going to go into the Hall of Fame. He certainly is. And then the main event. Oh man, I also do you know what this video package. I miss Tony Schiavone on commentary. Yeah. I, it was just, there was loads of clips of Tony Schiavone doing commentary, and I was like, man, he's good. And then, and we'd miss him dearly, there was a great line from Bobby Heenan where he'd said, I'd take Goldberg over Godzilla. Yeah. Like, what a wonderful line that is. That's brilliant. Uh, so the main event, finally, was Seth Rollins and Finn Balor. And it wasn't until they said it on commentary that I was like, yeah, this this is the rematch to SummerSlam 2016 for the inaugural Universal Championship, and then it it felt like a big time match after that for me. Uh, and it, but it does show how far down these two guys have slipped mm -hmm. in the card. Balor Club comes out in full force. They get separate entrances. Yeah, why do they get separate entrances? You know, and them all to come out together. And why aren't they in Balor Club t-shirts? They're hawking their own merchandise. Yeah, the nerdo meter. Mm. But they're all very happy. They're Balor, very happy. Huge smile. Uh, and then the, the match, I really, really enjoyed. Really, as a really match of the night for me. Yeah, great main event. Really, really enjoyed this. So it was back and forth. It was quite slow paced at times, but that helped it feel more like a a real big slog war. Uh, and then there was a weird botch near the end, which yeah. apparently wasn't a botch. It I, just it, looked like a botch. I was going to say this wasn't a botch. What had happened was the. I think it was uh, Finn hit a move where they did a reversal and he got Seth into a pin. The referee went down, realised he was out of position, but he'd already gone to put his hand down to count the one. Then realised he was out of position, so then moved, used his hand to move himself into yeah. position. So that looked like it was the first count, and the crowd thought that was the first count. Then he counted two, and then Seth kicked out. It's awkward... But it wasn't, it wasn't really a botch. The referee was just moving mm. himself into a better position and the crowd thought something else had happened. Well, so did the so, announcers. So, so did Corey Graves. Yeah, so they replayed that later, which still made it look like a botch. Yeah. Like it didn't, uh, and then they played that up. The, Corey, the only guy with credibility on the announcers team, which is difficult when he's the more heelish of them all, uh, said, look, this is, yeah, Balor was you cheated. Could, you could argue that Balor deserved mm. the victory. And, but I thought this was a really, really great uh, match. And then Rollins, apparently his uh, knee move was called the Ripcord. Apparently it did have a name. 
Okay, they, they said it Not in commentary. Not the knee! Well, it wasn't the knee, we just said it went for the ripcord, so I've written here, oh, so it's called the ripcord. But sometimes it was definitely called King's Landing. <laughs> yeah. I don't, don't, it had many names. It had many names. The knee. Yeah. That knee, that move. What uh, a weird, just ethereal move that never <laughs> properly happened. It's because it, it never got over. I liked it. I Well, yeah, but you didn't really like um, uh, The Rainmaker. Yeah, I do, yeah. Which is so, uh, but then, actually... JJ tripped Finn Balor on the outside because the bar ran down and they battled with Gallows. They went mm. for Jordan, but Gallows and Anderson kind of got involved. Jordan not getting physical. Nope, Jordan yeah. just got, he just ducked out of it. But actually, which worked perfectly for his character. Yes. The reason why the bar out here is this little dick's fault and he's not getting hurt at all. Mm. These other guys, are now, these four people are now fighting each other. Instead, he trips Finn Balor. Finn Balor goes onto, onto his uh, knees, stands up Seth a little bit. Seth doesn't see that. Seth doesn't see it. And then Seth hits the blackout. The curb stomp, sorry, the curb stomp is back. Mm. It, to a huge pop. Yeah, it's a move that we haven't seen in, well, a number of years now. But, like, I, I'll be honest, I was surprised at the amount of, like, OMG this got. Because I'm just I'm like, oh, he's brought his old move back. That's it took me by surprise. I was like, oh, but he's brought his move back. Everyone was treating this like CM Punk had come back. I I mean, it's a great move, and it was a real shame when he. Well, I, I the pedigree made sense, but it's nice to. I'm really happy that it's back. I'm really happy to see the reaction it got because it like imagine a world where moves are over. <laughs> Where, imagine if every wrestler had a move like most that. Most wrestlers have a move that's yeah, over. Name not... me a wrestler who has a move that isn't over. Okay, most of the mid-card. Such as? Glorious DDT. I don't think that's particularly over. Uh, yeah, but people recognise that as a finish. And they well, pop when he different. hits it. That, mm, they, so, but, so do so they is... pop because it's a cool move? Or no, do they, they pop, pop they... because they know the finish is coming? Yeah, they know that that is his finisher. So that technically means that it's over. That's a larger debate. But I, I, I feel like maybe it's just me not you know growing up but i'm not as excited about certain moves as i used to be uh i feel i i feel like that's a presentation problem because when they're packaged right like if i watch a marty scale match i hugely pop for every other move that he does because he's built them up as their own spots uh whereas these days i don't really care about a dive or well no uh, and again we've had this discussion before WWE have trained mm. you as a viewer to pop for entrances and finishes well that's what i'm saying so yeah. it's, it's nice to see a curb stomp that's over as a move yeah but it's, it's more of a finisher though no i know i know what you mean surely we're, we're kind of agreeing on the same yeah. thing but you're yeah. you're slightly arguing it differently so the curb stomp is back yeah. as the blackout on as some people pointed out on Martin Luther King week celebration day, I think thingy. it was. was it the I think day? it was actually day. Yeah. So uh, mm. people thought that was uh, a bit insensitive, but yeah. hey, it's back. That's great. Uh, so Seth doesn't know he technically cheated to win there, and you you thought it could play into a, a Rollins heel turn, but I got that Seth is trying to be a good person ever since he started on this, you know, path towards what's what would the word be. Redemption. Redemption, that's it, yeah. Uh, he, I think that's TNA's next pay-per-view. Yeah, it, I think it is, yeah. He, uh, it, he's trying to do things the right way. And to know that his his tag partner did this for him, with the best intentions, but it soured this... The, trying to... What's the... I'm not <laughs> doing this well. Because it, was that, because it was the SummerSlam 2016 rematch that he lost, and now he's won this rematch... It's it, it. I felt like this was a big deal for Rollins, but just as equally, Jordan's probably sitting there thinking, "I didn't do anything wrong. 
I helped my tag partner. Yeah. And that's why it's so interesting. That's why I, that's why I really like Jason mm. Jordan. He's, he is my favourite thing on Raw at the moment. So I'm just, I'm really, really enjoying his storyline. And, and his work with Seth is so great. And then they held on uh, Balor for ages, which made me think they were going to do that heel turn. The Wrestle Ramble will be right back after these short messages. This episode of Wrestle Ramble is brought to you in part by Patreon. For just $5 a month, you'll get access to the exclusive Wrestle Ramble Extra, where Ollie and I review classic pay-per-views from the past. This month, Patreon backers will get our review of Wrestle Kingdom 10, which featured an all-time classic between Shinsuke Nakamura and AJ Styles. And if you help us reach our next Patreon goal, we'll be able to live stream episodes of Wrestle Ramble on YouTube, as well as new perks like NXT and Ring of Honor reviews. So head over to patreon.com forward slash WrestleTalk for more information and support WrestleTalk. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's a SmackDown review, Michael. I love it. We got us a flying Uso. Jinder Mahal took on Xavier Woods yeah. to open SmackDown. So Tom Todd Phillips opened up the show and said that this is all about the United States Championship. And boy, he wasn't lying. Uh, this show was all about the United States Championship. It dominated the entire mm. show. And it was quite actually refreshing to have the New Day come out instead like I was just waiting to hear either Ride of the Valkyries or Here Comes the Money or the AJ Styles theme song or Kevin Owens it's the New Day and I was like ah the New Day era and they were just doing their short little promo about how much they like America and pancakes and we had a match and it was a long match it was a long match that went through two commercial breaks yeah 
it was it wasn't a good match, but it was a ma- it was a long match. I thought it was a fine match. It was it was refreshing to see this format change yeah. because so, so many times SmackDown opens with Shane McMahon coming out and recapping what happened last week and doing awful exposition for how he's feeling, <laughs> and then you have like. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, who were completely missing from this show, and an AJ Styles thing, and it's it's become repetitive. And you know, you think, oh yes, you're going to have almost a whole show devoted to the US title. That will make the US title feel really good and big. Uh, on paper, that would work. Sure, yeah, yeah, it was, but this was not a good episode of SmackDown. No, and I, I feel really bad as well. We got quite a lot of heat when we did the Raw versus Smackdown review last week for being too negative which I don't think we were overly negative on either show but a lot of people said that we were very negative and it was very difficult to watch because we were so negative and I suddenly came out of that Raw review even though I liked the show being like oh man people are going to say I was too negative about that show as well and then you joked oh just be positive about the Smackdown episode that's going to be difficult to do because as you quite rightly said on paper this should have been a great episode of Smackdown this was a show that was built around three matches if uh, three long matches if those matches had been three star three and a half star quality maybe even up to four star this could have been an excellent episode of Smackdown but unfortunately what we got was three long matches that never really got any better than two stars mm. maybe even one and a half stars and a, a six woman tag match that was you take it or leave it Who's doing the star ratings now? <laughs> this guy this over guy, here. Dave Meltzer over here. But yeah, so um, this match was fine. It was it's it, every uh, Jinder Mahal match you've ever seen. Jinder took the entirety of the match, really. Yeah, and yeah. Xavier got a couple of hope spots at the end. But then Jinder just hit the Coloss and won. So what I got from this match is how fun the New Day's opening promo was. And the way it just felt so different. It was an in-ring promo, but Xavier Woods, Kofi and Biggie were presenting themselves like it was a presidential campaign. And they, you know, the US title, elect Woods for America, make America great again or whatever. And they, they were touting the benefits of pancakes in this. And it genuinely made me interested in this match. Like that's how good a promo The New Day, Woods in particular, are. Uh, I cannot say the same about Bobby Roode and Mojo. Like I was, that's just a match that was going to happen to get to the next match. Yeah. Whereas I was invested in Woods here, and you know, like you said, Jinder Mahal took ninety percent of the match. But when Xavier started coming back, I I I was surprised by how much I like Xavier, even when he's not in the as a singles competitor. I said this in the SmackDown review, but I really wish Xavier Woods had won this match. Mm. Because had Xavier Woods won this, the main event would have been infinitely more interesting. And considering that Bobby was going to win anyway, you didn't really need Jinder in that position other than for Bobby to beat a heel. But Xavier's shtick that he's been doing in this in this US title thing where he's like these presidential campaigns, doing loads of stuff on social media as well, but WWE don't really care about that unless they ask you to do it. Um... It really made Xavier feel like he should have gone further in this tournament. I would have much preferred to have seen Xavier win here. But yeah. and I, I thought he was. He's great. He's such a good wrestler. He's And he's a great promo. He's a great personality. The only thing that was missing from this is he should have been in his Consequences uh, Creed outfit. Oh, yeah, for this, the US flag. Exactly. He should have been in his big... As his favourite, one of his heroes growing up, as Todd Phillips points out in commentary, is um, Apollo Creed from mm. uh, the Rocky movies. So it would have been great if he'd have been decked out in that gear as well. That's his TNA character, if you're not yeah. familiar. Uh, and and a brute, he sold the the Kalos 
very brutally. It's him and AJ Styles are the best people on the planet mm. at selling that move. So Xavier, very good babyface, but unfortunately he lost. Next up was one of the worst <laughs> parts of SmackDown. It was to continue a trend throughout the night. And that is, let's cut a promo on a mobile phone with your name in big letters before the promo. At least, Baron Corbin. At least they filmed it landscape. Yes, I guess that's a good point. So Corbin just said how he's going to win the Rumble and go on to WrestleMania. Yeah. And I just thought, after your year. <laughs> you're, like, I know, I know you've got to save face and say this sort of stuff. You know, that's the idea. Everyone should be vying for that top spot, but... I don't see Baron Corbin winning this Royal it Rumble. It was so far-fetched, it was ridiculous. I don't think I see Baron Corbin winning any Royal Rumble. Mm. I'm actually I'm going to go on a limb here, and people can find this video in 20 years' time, because the internet will always be around, because there's no, no nuclear apocalypse or anything like that. People can find this video in 20 years' time. I'm going to put money oh, down right. here and say that Baron Corbin is never going to win a Royal Rumble. How much money? I'm not, oh, did I say put money down? Yes. No, I'm, I'm just going to... Okay, I'm, I'm putting my stake in the... I'm putting my flag in the ground. Oh, okay. So no real consequences. No real, no real consequences sure. creed for this. But I'm going to say that Baron Corbin never wins a Royal Rumble. Mm. Watch, but, him win, watch him win the 2018 one. But, like, if Xavier Woods cut a promo about how he's going to win the Rumble and go on to main event mania, I know it's not going to happen, but I'm like, cool, yeah, okay. I'm on board for yeah. you thinking it's going to happen. But Baron Corbin, it was, it was too much for me. AJ Styles cut a promo backstage with Renee Young. Uh, this was AJ's only appearance on the show, the mm -hmm. world champion. Certainly did. Um, he clearly went to the Randy Orton school of insulting Kevin Owens by calling him fat. And uh, then tried to make Cammy happen. Which is a amalgamation, a portmanteau word of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Kevin and Sami. Cammy. Yeah. It's biscuit bud all over again. Mm. They're going to keep saying it because they think the crowd will chant it. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's a. It doesn't even. It's not a funny word. <laughs> no. No, it's not like you know when you can combine a bulldog and a Shih Tzu. No, exactly. That it's... makes a funny new word. Yeah. This is just a nonsense word. But you thought you were done with the promos. Oh no, we got more promos, mate. We've you got want all the promos. You want promos? We got promos. It's more promo than ever. <laughs> all of the SmackDown women not standing in a row, but uh, in segments after each other in this mobile phone format. I gotta be honest. I like the mobile phone thing. Not this way. No, I I, I liked the the uh, the contents aside. I like the fact that they were filming these on like WWE live events. If it just made it feel like these guys aren't they weren't they were no. This was all all of the women's promos were done in the same locker room. Oh no, yeah, the I'm, same I'm talking about like the Randy Orton it. and Baron Corbin and Shinsuke Nakamura uh, ones because like Randy Orton was standing inside a WWE live ring. Like I really like that of doing it. But yeah, they were all standing in the same room. Just like you could have just put a camera there and and they they chit like. If you've got, you can see the, you could see the light and the backdrop, and all they did was change the color of the light depending on a baby face or heel was cutting the promo, and it's like you said, you've got the light set up, you've got the backdrop set up, use an actual camera. Yeah. But that is nitpicking. But the only reason we're nitpicking and that stuff is obvious is because these, this was, this was really bad. <laughs> the, the, the whole point of the the mobile phone is to make things feel a bit more realistic, like the Mojo Rawley promos on on social media and Xavier Woods, the Baron Corbin and Randy Orton ones. I agree, they do feel a bit more real because they are like backstage and walking around in the ring. But these ones, 
came across as so fake and they were so short. So it was just each woman going, here's my catchphrase. Yeah. Here's my catchphrase. I'm going to the Royal Rumble. Feel the glow. Ruby Riot. I really like Ruby Riot. But because it all these were so bad and they got because they're all together, it really stuck out how bad they were. Just the fact that Ruby Riot was obviously looking at herself in the screen rather than the actual camera because her eyes were slightly looking to the right. That annoyed the hell out of me. It annoyed the heckings out of you, didn't it? What I will say, though, and um, this kind of ties into your point you made about uh, Xavier Woods, I really liked Becky's. Hers was the best. Hers was far and away the best of the lot. And it really made me invested in her in the Royal Rumble. And I don't think that Becky is going to win, but I really want to see her win now. Mm. It, uh, she got the biggest pop from the live crowd as well. As well she should. She's brilliant. But I, I thought this was this was, this was was real <laughs> bad. Like, it, it wasn't watchable. Uh, then we had the second United States title tournament match. Mm-hmm. Bobby Roode beating Mojo Rawley. Yeah, um, this kind of started off hot a little bit because you had Mojo hit the uh, like a, this really nice back elbow and then he did the pounce and the, the referee and he got in the way. Mm. Kind of like that, but then just completely the crowd just they were dead. Like, yeah. No one was popping anything. It was just mostly rest holds. Rude came back in like the last, I don't know, 10 seconds and hit the glorious DDT and won. Yeah, it was like three moves off of... Uh, have I got it here? No, I haven't got the play-by-play. But it was the last 45 seconds. Bobby, Rude took the match. And then one with a glorious DDT. Yeah, it was a really nothing match. It was yeah. a real shame, to be honest. And it's it's kind of been indicative of Bobby on the, the main roster, really, which is just that what has Bobby done since uh, coming up to SmackDown? He has had matches. Yeah. He's just had some matches. Nothing has really been above... I'm doing the star things again. Nothing's really been above two, two and a half stars. He's just had a load of matches. Mainly with Dolph Ziggler. Mainly with, and like, it's just such a shame as well because he's so good. Mm. He can have really great matches if he's given time and like a really great storyline that you can sink your teeth into. Hopefully coming out of this show, uh, if the storyline is going the way that most people think it is going, then he can get something he can get behind it and the WWE will be able to put some time and effort into. But for now, this was very much just a... It was a match. Yeah, the problem is, is we know that it's frustrating because we know his character stuff is there, but at the moment he's just being presented as a theme tune and a robe. Yes, and so actually, there's nothing to sink your teeth into. And kind of back to my point as well about I kind of I wish that Woods had gone through in the first round because Jinder Mahal went through. Going into this match, you're like, oh, well, Bobby's winning yeah. then because the yeah. baby face has got to face the heel. Whereas if Woods had gone through, it would have cast a bit more doubt on who was winning this match, mm. which you know, uh, which would have made it slightly more interesting. <laughs> yeah, anything, we'd, we'd, anything we'd want here. Uh, I thought Mojo was good in this, though. I'm really enjoying his heel work. Yeah. I know you said last week you want him to change his entrance. I don't like his entrance, but I think he's doing enough in his facials where he's angry enough. Where I'm, I'm not like, oh, this is hype fun. This is hype. Oh crap! He's coming. He's running this way. Get out of the way! No, I'm not keen. His music is diabolically bad. Uh, and he, the, the the important part in the actual match was that Mojo targeted Bobby's ribs, mm-hmm. and Bobby would sell the ribs throughout the night and in the main event. But okay, this was probably the best part of SmackDown because after the match, the Singh brothers jump Bobby, who won, and then Jinder comes out and he's like, aha, I'm going to face you and I'm going to win next week. Did you notice that one of the Singh brothers hurt his ankle? No. So they, they beat up Bobby, and this is why I had to go back and re-watch the beatdown, where it was mm. like zooming in and out and lots of cuts. It was difficult to watch a second time. They When they dove out of the ring, uh, Sam- uh, Samil, 
Um, it, it was. I went back. I, I double checked. Yeah. He got out the ring very awkwardly and landed and basically fell over when he got out the ring mm. and then was hobbling. And Samir had to grab him oh, and like man. and carry him back up the ramp. Um, so I'm sure it's not a like serious injury or anything like Hopefully that, but. Not. Yeah, it, I think it just probably like tweaked his ankle Maybe a little a bit. Sprain. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Jinder says that I'll face you next week. Bobby's like, "Hey, I'm a baby face. I'll fight you now." Hometown crowd, yes, crowd, and uh, the crowd really wanted to see this. Jinder, of course, being a heel, is like, I mean, you know, this. I, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cartoon villain. I'll do it on my time, and I'm in my in the back of my head. I'm like. I know where this is going. It's going to be next week. They've already announced it for next week. It's the go home to to rump the Royal Rumble. But then the Singh brothers look over Jinder's shoulder at something you can't yet see. And they're looking worried. And it's Daniel Bryan. And Daniel Bryan's like, well, we're going to have the match tonight. And I was like... I didn't actually expect that to happen. It was funny cool. as well, because when Rude said, let's do this tonight, my my thought was like, yeah, that's going to be great. That that sets of a really nice show-long storyline of finishing off this tournament. The crowd weren't expecting it. That'll get a nice big pop out of them. And then Jinder was like, ha, 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 no. And I was like, oh, you dastardly heels. But you're right. As soon as Brian came out and made the match, I was like, cool, I'm actually looking forward to the main event mm. now. Mm. Uh, so then we had uh, the Randy Orton promo that we've already mentioned on mm-hmm. his phone. Yep. Ugh. And then we got do you want, another... Do you want to t- take a guess at what happened in this match? With a, a women's match, you say? Yeah. What? Probably it's some combination of the Riot Squad versus Charlotte, Becky Lynch and Naomi, I mean, right? that, that's exactly what happened. Um, but, like, you could... I've, I pretty much wrote down my notes for this match before the match had even happened. Mm. I was like, um, oh, the I, Riot Squad won, though. Well, the Riot Squad did win. I think that was the only bit I hadn't filled out, which was that babyfaces dominate early, heels cut them off during the break, heels have rest holds, uh, hot tag, and mm. then you can just fill in the rest of it. This time, it was Ruby Riot cheap shot on the outside to Naomi, and Liv Morgan hit the uh, whatever her finisher is and won. A very Harley Quinn, Liv Morgan. She's... That all her mannerisms and stuff in the ring is it seems to she's emphasizing the Harley Quinn side of her character yeah. more. And as someone pointed out to me on Twitter, um, who's the one remember I told you about this this the guy that got really annoyed at us when we said that Liv Morgan wasn't ready for mm. the main roster. Um a point which has more or less been proven. But um he pointed out quite correctly that Liv Morgan is undefeated on SmackDown at the moment. Whoa. She's the only member of the Riot Squad that is undefeated. No, Sarah Logan. <laughs> no, Sarah Logan. Sarah Logan. Sarah Logan. Far and away, she was the worst promo mm. in that segment. Her and Tamina were... like Tamina cut a promo, yeah. and I forgot that she'd cut a promo. Let's not... Yeah, Tamina run away with that one. That's, <laughs> at least Sarah Logan's got the fun accent. <laughs> uh, so Ruby Wright is bloody great, uh, and Morgan pin Naomi for the win. So this is the same match that we've been having for well over a month now. Two weeks ago, we had this exact same match, mm. but with the welcoming committee. So why... So not the exact same match. Six-woman tag, same match. So you're heading into the Royal Rumble. You're the, the, women, the first ever women's Royal Rumble. Why would you then put... All of the women's, both on both brands, all of the women's division in holding repetitive patterns. So the the women's Royal Rumble match now isn't something that I'm excited to see people go up against each other for. I'm just curious about who the winner will be. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not excited about seeing all oh, this dynamics going to play off this dynamic. That of of the like twenty people, twenty women on the main roster, 
The only storyline is Asuka, Nia Jackson, Ask, Asuka, Nia Jackson, Alexa Bliss. Yeah. And Alexa Bliss isn't going to be in the match. No, so you She's got... a champion. Um, but I suppose you could argue that it's SmackDown against the Riot Squads. I suppose in a way, yeah. but like it's, but it's been a storyline that has been just pummeled into the ground. That there's quite, a, there's no interest in it, mm. uh, you know, quite frankly. And yeah, maybe there's something with Absolution on Raw, but I can't see what their storyline is. But that's been derailed because of the unfortunate Page situation. Yeah, unless I guess it's just Raw versus the um, uh, Absolution. Maybe that's what the storyline is. But you're absolutely right that you look at the the Men's Royal Rumble throughout history. It's always been about there's like five or six different stories that are going into this that are all going to like build up and they're going to pay off into WrestleMania mm. matches. Here, it's just that th- this is literally going to be women having a Royal Rumble. Yeah. And, which is a shame. Which is a real shame. Such a shame. Um, so next up, we had the Usos cutting a promo. We had Nakamura doing his Royal Rumble promo, which was fine. Oh, was that? I've got that as after this. Yeah, no, another backstage. Oh, no, you're right. Promo. It was after this. Yeah, sorry. Uh, so the Usos are backstage with Dasha, not Charlie. Oh well, I mean, I've written here an animatronic from It's a Small World. She, mm. I mean, she's bad. She was another level of bad here. Like she, oh my god, I went back and rewatched this. Says how bad she was. It was just. These women are in the Royal Rumble. And now, welcome the Usos. Segway. segway. <laughs> uh, but uh, the Usos cut a promo, which was not their best. It was a bit annoying. They were sort of, oh, am I Jimmy? Are you Jimmy? I don't care for that stuff. And then Gable <laughs> and Benjamin jumped them from behind and they said, I've got two words for you. No, we said, no, I know what your I names are. Former champion. Yes. So good heel work there. I would have preferred a bit of a bigger beatdown, mm. seeing that, you know, you could create a proper blood feud thing going into the two out of three falls match. But yeah, I mean, if the Jay Uso uh, DUI arrest reports are to be believed, which happened over the weekend, which they are, I mean, they're, they're official, I guess, uh, WWE might potentially take the titles off the Usos at the Rumble. Yeah, um, it, someone pointed this out on the Wrestling Observer board. They kind of mentioned that Zeb Coulter had told a story on his, or oh, Dutch Mantel, I should say, had told mm. a story on his podcast, because of course he's got a podcast. Everyone has a podcast these days. Um, when Jack Swagger got busted um, for weed, I think it was weed, when he was driving under the influence, and that was just when they were building him into that big world title program with yeah. Alberto Del Rio, when he'd just been partnered with um, Zeb Coulter. And when... Jack, yeah, I think he called him Zack Swagger then. When Jack, Swagger. when Jack Swagger got back to WWE TV, he thought, I'm going to walk up straight up to Vince McMahon. I'm just going to say, can I have a minute of your time? Mm. So he walked up to Vince McMahon and said, can I have a minute of your time? Vince McMahon just looked at him and said, Jack, you're an idiot, and walked away. And that was it. And Jack Swagger's push was dead and buried. Well, you know, he is an idiot. So <laughs> he is an idiot. I can see both sides there. If yeah. you're an employer of a company, well, contractor, and... Uh, <laughs> And someone did that on your watch, and yep. you, you were giving them a big push. Yeah, I can imagine what would happen if that happened to me. Yeah, yeah, you'll be, you, your push would be derailed. <laughs> I'd be on my keister. Uh, so the Nakamura backstage promo next, then a fashion file skit, which was more of a clip to dr- to push you online because why would uh, you want to watch one of the better things on the actual show? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we had the main event. Of blue trunks. Oh man, blue there trunks was, versus blue trunks. There, this was the battle of the blue trunks. There were just, it was blue trunks in a ring with blue ropes in an arena with blue lights mm. with a massive blue backdrop of the stage. As I said in my SmackDown review, there was more blue than the top shelf of a news agent. Nice. 
Blue Meanie was probably at home <laughs> with a tear in his eye. Yeah. And this is what the Blue World Order is finally here. <laughs> oh, that should have been in my review. This Sorry. is like signalling the, the incoming. Yeah. I mean, this was foreshadowing the incoming of the, the Blue World Order. So Bobby Roode was in blue trunks. Jinder Mahal was in blue trunks. Oh, man. Why didn't they coordinate these things? Well, I was going to say, stage? isn't it embarrassing when you show up to work wearing the exact same outfit? Mm. It's- but it's on brand. Yeah, it is on brand. It is SmackDown. Yeah. Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan came out to ringside with the United States belt on a little podium thing. So that was nice. Made the, the belt feel like a big deal. And by but the this belt was one, always there. Oh, was it? The, the belt was there. The belt was there. Oh. But they came out to sit next to it. Yes. So they could then present the winner, which I actually I like as well, because that makes it feel like it's a big deal that your employers, technically, mm. or, your, you know, or your contract, take the belt in and present you with this fake United States yeah. Championship I really like that aspect of it so by this point I'm I'm willing like Smackdown is not dead for me I, there, there were bits I really found boring and didn't enjoy and it was pretty below average by this point but I thought if these two you know have a, a decent a semi-decent main event this good work for elevating the United States title unfortunately they had a, a, a rather tedious bout and as it went on, I just thought what you said, like, this would be so much more interesting with the more over people from the previous matches. Main event would have been so much more over if uh, Xavier Woods was in there. Because you got the New Day riding up the crowd at yeah. ringside. Throwing pancakes out, yeah. which people really like. There was... you would, uh, the problem with that was Rude would become the heel. Yeah. So maybe Mojo Rawley wins. But that would have been a better... Actually, yeah. And if actually if Mojo Rawley had won, it would have been the, the results that no one had expected and it elevates then two new guys. Land of opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I could have really got behind that. There was a moment in commentary uh, during that match that really made me think of you. Oh, yeah? Well, it was a conversation that you and I had on... Oh, I think it was the last episode because we were pre-recorded them, so I forget what we talked about. But you talked about how you think of 2000 as 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I'm in the similar boat as well. If you say the year 2000 to me, I'm like, yeah, it was about 10 years ago. It wasn't, it was 18 years ago. Mm. There was a moment during this when um, Todd Phillips said that this is the first time in 12 years that the vacant United States Championship is on the line mm. on an episode of SmackDown. And I went, oh, really, 12 years? And I wrote down, and then he said, that was in 2006. And I was like... Oh, no. That's, yeah, I was like, my God, 2006 was 12 years ago. How did that ah. How did that happen? I left school at 2006. I nearly, I nearly graduated in 2006. I, I graduated university in 2007. 2006 was when like, I... Yeah. That was like when I really got back into wrestling. I was in my second year of university. Mm. Oh, man. That's, oh, that was an, it was a shock to the system at, at six, half past six this morning. So, uh, yeah, this match wasn't as interesting, but the story was Jinder is working over Bobby's ribs that were injured in the previous match. It was the exact same match as the Woods match, apart from with Bobby Roode instead of Xavier mm. Woods. It's, it's every Jinder Mahal match you've ever seen. Yeah, and Roode, uh, so the the Colossus is going to be hit at the end, and Roode reversed it into the glorious DDT. Did, and Bobby went. I thought he was going to kick out. Like They didn't even do a series of near falls or anything mm. like that. Make this feel like it's a main event. It just felt like any other match on SmackDown. That's, it, that doesn't, that's not a main event. It was just it could have happened at any point throughout the show. And I'm all for um, you know, putting people down with one move and trying to get moves over so that you're not always expecting the kick out. Yeah. But this is a championship match. You should make these feel like it's a bit of a bigger deal. The end of a tournament. The end of a tournament, no less. That's been going on for a few weeks. The end of a tournament that was meant to culminate at the Royal Rumble. I'm glad that it didn't culminate at the Royal Rumble, by the way. That show's got enough on as it is. But, like, I I just... It didn't feel like the end of the tournament. Mm. It didn't feel like Bobby Roode had gone on this epic journey to win this championship. It just felt that 
Bobby Roode's now the champion. It's his first singles championship on the main roster, and it meant it just felt like it meant absolutely nothing. Totally. Like, when Dolph Ziggler vacated the United States title, that was, I guess that was meant, and it did, it like generated a lot of interest. Oh, what are they going to do with the belt? And I guess when they announced the tournament, wow, they're really elevating the United States title. As soon as Bobby won, and as soon as that little logo, uh, the copyright trademark thing in the bottom uh, left-hand corner appeared, I was like, the United States title is exactly back where it was a month ago. Yeah. Where I, a mid-card thing that I don't really care about. I was actually really surprised. And I, I, perhaps I, I was just expecting this and, well, you know, it didn't happen. But because the match was over so abruptly mm. and the celebration didn't really, there wasn't any time given to the celebration either... I was expecting a Dolph Ziggler running. Yeah. I was expecting, like, you know, maybe them to do the little thing in the corner and then do the big surprise angle out of nowhere that takes you, you know, that kind of wakes you back up and be like, oh my God, something mm. big is happening. But no, the show just went off the air and then Mixed Match Challenge happened. So we got, uh, we'd mentioned it in the show there, but you and I both came under fire last week for being too negative mm. about the wrestling from last week. But uh, I don't think we were overly negative in the show. Do you think we readdress that in this episode? I hope so. I was consciously more uh, positive. I was trying to accentuate the positives, the bits I enjoyed more. I wasn't just, If I didn't like a bit, I'd say it. But the bits I did like, I would, I would expand on more. I, I, as we're talking about it, I think we might have had a bit of Wrestle Kingdom 12 hangover mm. because that's the first WWE stuff we watched after Wrestle Kingdom 12 yeah. last week's Raw and SmackDown. And yeah, it's like, it's absolute crap <laughs> compared well, I mean, to like, it's... one of the best shows of the year. Yeah, but like Raw and SmackDown are, are never going to be able to compare to a Wrestle Kingdom exactly. because you're never trying to put a Wrestle Kingdom on every single week with exactly. Raw and SmackDown. But at the same time, like I don't think last week's shows were particularly great. And I wanted to be more positive this week. And I did enjoy most of Raw, but man, SmackDown, I didn't think it was a very good show at all. I really liked Raw. I, but you also were battling with tooth pain. Maybe that's why you didn't. Well, enjoy maybe it. that's what it was. Yeah, I had. Um, I mean, my 2018 has not got off to the best of starts in terms of health-wise. Mm. Uh, on I've told the story in the podcast that on New Year's Day I had to go to the emergency dentist, um, a 24-hour dentist, a 24-hour dentist who I hasten to add was annoyed at me for showing up mm. because my appointment was booked for eight and I was there at half past seven, and he was just like, "Come back at eight. I was like, you're not doing anything. I'm in absolute agony here, and I need you to, like, write me a prescription that I can go to a 24-hour pharmacy and and go and get. Uh, but eventually I did. What if he had been working non-stop all day, and he's like, I've got half an hour. I've got half an hour before this Luke Owen guy comes in. I'm just, just going to squeeze out an episode of The Good Wife or some well, other generic network I could tell show. You, I could tell you what he was doing. He was watching Mrs. Doubtfire. Really? Because Mrs. Doubtfire was on TV, and I was sat in the parking lot, and I could see through his window him watching well, Mrs. Doubtfire. Well, that's fair play. It's fair play. It's a fantastic movie. It is a, it is a great film. Um, I actually made the uh, him like examining my teeth a little bit more bearable, because I could hit, I could see Mrs. Doubtfire. I could mm. see Robin Williams being his his comedy brilliance. Yes. Um, so, that, so that was bad, and then I had to go get another round of antibiotics, because the pain was still quite bad. And I went to the dentist, and that's when they told me got a dead tooth 
Ooh, and great punk band name. And you're going to have to have root canal surgery. Mm. Now I'm I'm not. I, I've had this with my wife over the last couple of weeks. I'm not scared of the dentist. I just don't like going to the dentist. Yeah. it's like I'm not scared of air travel. I, I just don't like it. No, I as, actually that's a very good because I don't really like air travel. Mm. But I'm not like I don't get onto a plane and be like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my yeah. god. But I will grip the arm seat during takeoff and landing because yeah. I just don't like those bits. And it's uncomfortable. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But like, oh, I mean, you're talking about uncomfortable, Crikey O'Reilly. Mm. So, I go to the dentist um, for my root canal. And they told me it was going to be my first of three trips for this oh. root canal thing, and. So like they'd done uh, on the previous trip, they'd done X-rays, which I nearly choked on because they had to put this big plastic thing into your mouth that you bite down on it. That kind of like goes all the way to the back of your throat. That's only you, mate. I think you've been <laughs> taken for a ride there. Perhaps. What shape was the plastic thing? <laughs> uh, and then, so we sat. So I got into the chair, and they were like, "A lot of this will be uncomfortable." But like, so they sat me down before. That's my come on line. That used to be my come <laughs> yeah. on line. So they sat me down first off to be like, "Here's what we're gonna do." Uh, we're going to take out the filling in your tooth mm. and we're going to drill in and we're going to clean out and try and repair the nerve ends uh. that are, the damaged nerve ends that are in your tooth at the moment. Uh. And then she said something that like I'm I'm sure they have to say, but you almost rather they didn't. Now the tools we use are quite thin and quite delicate. So if they break, we will stop, tell you that the tool is broken inside your tooth, and then we'll talk about options. Oh my word! <laughs> that is something you just you don't want to hear when you don't particularly like going to the dentist already. I, I didn't like getting I didn't like getting a filling done. Like, hey I, everybody, I'm John Cena. Sixteen options. Support Russell. Really bad. So then we get a, a lay down on the thing, and they kind of like, like tip the chair so back, do us all put a little bib around me, mm. and, and then. They put in. They they clamp my mouth up, like fully open. So it's the Kazuchika like, Ricarda cell. Yeah, mouth just. His teeth just. Well, no, because my mouth just had to be fully open, so oh, they could, right. Because I need to get into the underside of the tooth. So your mouth's just there, like completely sure. open. And they put this clamp in to make sure that your mouth doesn't close. Your mouth Ooh. is constantly open. And then can't even bite down. No, and then they get this sheet of plastic. And then shove that inside your mouth and around your gums uh-huh. to like catch blood, so the blood doesn't just fall down the back of your throat or anything like that. So you just create this like pool of ho- horrible liquid and stuff, I guess, and like you know shards of teeth as they drill into it. And I was in there for, I think, an hour and a half. In actually like. Lying actually like laying down for about an hour and a half. Oh, holy hell! Just them, and like, you can't see anything. Like all I can do is just stare at the ceiling. And just there at Mrs. Doubtfire on. <laughs> didn't even have, she didn't even have the radio on or anything like that, so it was just pure silence. So all you can hear is just... And then, like, oh, can you get me a 10? And your head sort of being roughed around. Yeah. And, oh, man, like, they jab you in the, in the gums with the anaesthetic and stuff to kind of numb you. And I was there for so long that the anaesthetic wore off at one point no. and they had to do it again. No. No. And then... Was that, is that part of the course for root canals or was it you specifically no that well i think that's part of part of the well i don't know this is the first time i've ever had to have it done but it was i mean it's genuinely i i can't think of anything i've done that was worse than having root canal surgery it was just diabolically bad not even putting alexa bliss at number 10 in your I would wrestling. I would happily put Alexa Bliss at every single spot in that <laughs> top ten and take the brunt of, of the feedback than have to do 
uh, root canal again. That's got to be a video <laughs> for December 2018. <laughs> you liked last year's <laughs> top ten? <laughs> Here we go. Number eight, Alexa Bliss. Screw you. And then read out a mean comment. <laughs> Number nine, Alexa Bliss. This that one's for you. <laughs> uh, so anyway, they like just drilling and drilling and oh drilling and drilling. God. And then they uh, there was one point when like because obviously I can't feel anything. All of a sudden, I just felt this sharp pain, like someone like uh, like it almost like stabbed me in the uh, cheek, and I was like ah. Oh! And so I gripped, and I went, and you can't talk to you, go like ah oh, ah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and then she's like, there was this awkward moment where she always like <laughs> says to you, like, does that hurt? And you go like, uh, uh-uh. but that's that doesn't really mean anything. Sounds like no end yet. Yeah, exactly. But I don't want to move my head because she's got a drill like in my mouth. I don't want to move my head in case it like throws her off where yeah. she is. So you have to kind of like slightly move your head or slightly nod your head. I don't think there was anything in my mouth, but I couldn't see. Not have blink a blink like. That's what we should have done yet. Yeah, blink once, yes, twice, but no. <laughs> and then, uh, and I just got this uh. sharp pain. So then all of a sudden, she went into panic mode. Like she, her and her assistant started frantically doing stuff, and then she jabbed me again with the anaesthetic, and she was like, "Pain now?" And I'm like, "Uh." Uh-uh. And then I was like, "I was fine." I was like, "But that was a real worry for me." Also, she has this bit of a nervous tick where she keeps like shaking her head slightly, and I can I can see her shaking her head, mm. which just to me suggests that bad things are happening. Oh god! Finally, it's over, and they put in a temporary filling. And they took all the apparatus out of my mouth, and I sat up, and my jaw was aching so much because it had just been stuck open mm. for 90 minutes. And I sat up, and my cheek, oh, the pain was unreal. It was so uncomfortable. And she's there, like, sat down and trying to tell me, like, what had happened and what we're going to do at the next session, where they're going to put my filling back in and do the scale and polish and all this sort of stuff. And I'm just, I'm not listening. I'm just not listening because all I can feel is just this untold amounts of pain. And she was like, uh, I'm going to prescribe you these antibiotics. Take them as an like, emergency. Don't take them now because you have to finish the thing. And I'm not seeing until the 2nd of February. So she was like, take them, you know, take them as an, just take some painkillers. So I go to the pharmacy. And for whatever reason, apparently I picked rush hour because there was a queue out the door. No. Everyone was really slow. It's flu season still. It's flu season. I was meant to get my flu jab while I was there, but I just wanted to go home. Because no. I'd left the house at two. It's now five o'clock. Just jab all the needles in me today. <laughs> and eventually I got my painkillers. from sore too. I got my painkillers. I got home and I was just had this sad look on my face. And uh, my wife turned to me and said, like, I don't think we should go to Hastings, which mm. was our plan. And I was like, no, I want to go. I want to go because I feel like I'm ruining our weekends now. Which makes me feel even more sad. And then I was like, however, they did tell me that my cheek is slightly inflamed, and if it gets any worse, I might have to go to A and E. So we decided we would stay in uh, in right at home over the weekend. However, on the Saturday, I did go for a bit of a ramble, and that was nice. I felt much better, and I went to this local cafe and had a banging vegan breakfast that was absolutely mwah, was delicious. But I'm feeling so much better now. That's great. You've made me sort of contort a bit. I was going to say, you you just look so uncomfortable now. Because we, we had this kind of conversation a little bit throughout the week. Yeah. I told you I'd watch... This was more in-depth. Yeah, because I told you I'd watch The Punisher, mm-hmm. uh, the Netflix series, and I said there was a moment in that that made me feel very queasy, and I haven't felt like that since Saw 2, when the woman gets thrown into the pit of syringes. Mm. And you, all of a sudden, I just saw you go green. Well, needle. as soon as you said the, the needle into the gums, that's... That's my needles, my thing. I, you know, that I can't even look. I have to put my 
hands over my eyes. Yeah. When even if they're on screen, they don't have to be going into anyone. What what, what do you like when you go to like, get blood tests? It's done? awful, awful. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm a nervous wreck for about I did the day before. Yeah, yeah. So. Oh, mate, that's yeah. horrible. Uh, but it, it comes from when I had braces as a kid. Mm -hmm. All the injections into my mouth, and yeah. you had them as well. You, you oh, get the, the mate, remember teeth I had, yanked I had out the head back. brace. Yeah. So. Ugh, yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, so that, that was my trip to the dentist. Ugh. Well, let's get into some <laughs> iTunes reviews. What a tale of two halves with the <laughs> intro, the fun, the fun hairdresser I'm story. I'm so glad we started with that one. Yeah, Digger. They people have turned it off. <laughs> Digger 1994 writes, Our support Wrestle Talk. They're 23, probably, if they were born in 1994. Uh, they would be, yeah. Christ. Bumbling but brilliant fools. Rambles in the title, so don't change the random content that always worms its way in. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Yeah. I guess maybe they were talking about how we slightly restructured the video bit with less rambling. But hey, we've super served you with rambling here. And Josh Eagleton writes, hashtag support WrestleTalk. Ollie and Luke are consistently, yes, great, great word. Great at bringing me the latest wrestling news and always entertaining. Keep it up, guys. Keep at it, guys. Thanks, Josh. Thank you, Josh. Great reviews all round. Oh, well, with that, uh, we will see you on Saturday with a new show. But more importantly, get ready for this. On Monday, we'll be the return of fantasy booking warfare with a big one for the entire men's royal rumble match love you bye Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.